Julian Edlow here for DraftKings. The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here. And DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. Conference tournaments, Final Four, to win it all, you name it, it's all available on the DK Sportsbook app. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code ROSS. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code ROSS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccp.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort located in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, bonus bets expire 160 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. <laughs> yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. My daughters at this point can even say it with me. It is a finish strong Friday. Presented by winners, Mike Singletary. I want winners. I want people that want to win. By the way, you kind of got to appreciate the irony that Mike Singletary just got fired from his job or quote-unquote won't be back as a Texas high school head coach. I think his team went 1-21. and the last two years or the last three years or something. And so he's not going to be back. Yikes. Um, Kind of amazing. You can go from NFL head coach to not being retained as a high school head coach that quickly, isn't it? I mean, that's a, it is a precipitous fall, Uh, but he does like winners. And so do we, there were four more winners, by the way, on yesterday's Fantasy Feast podcast, people that took advantage of Fantasy Points and the Code Feast, and they will go against Joe Dolan and I in a Best Ball 10 draft, which is going to start on Sunday. Very much looking forward to that. I will send you guys the email when I get a chance, those of you that are in the league. By the way, we're going to end the draft, but we're going to have a June draft and a July draft as well. And then we'll have a season long draft in August. So plenty more opportunities to draft against me and Joe in a fantasy league that you can hop on board The spread. The word winner today, Monty West, man, Monty West is awesome. I think he's on Instagram. He's definitely on Twitter and it seems like he retweets everything we post Monty. I love it. It, it really helps. We appreciate it. Go on the extra effort. Let me know your address, ross at rostucker.com, and let me know whether you'd rather have a signed card or a signed picture because I am all out of press passes at this point. The sponsor confirmation email winner, by the way, he retweets both me at Ross Tucker NFL and Bry at Ross Tucker Pod. We have changed the handle for all of our shows, Ross Tucker Pod, because they are all Ross Tucker Pods. So Ross Tucker Pod is now the show handle. 
because a lot of people don't know what RTF podcast means. So at Ross Tucker Pod, good suggestion, discussion with intern Casey. Sponsor confirmation email winner, Randy Strumland, who took advantage of the Manscaped offer and used the code money. Manscaped is money. Man, so good. Love it. Manscaped. Um, So, Randy, let me know what you would like as well. And as mentioned, I think previously this week, big announcement next week. Big one. And it's a really positive one that you guys will all, I'm pretty sure, be excited about. You should be at least. Other than that, I know why you're here. You're not here to hear my voice, the dulcet tones. You're here because it's a Friday. It's Greg Cosell. It's Cosell's Concepts. And you love it. So let's do it. The Big Show. All right, Greg, I got to tell you, I look forward to this all week now, and I know our listeners do as well, getting lots of emails with ideas for co-sells, concepts, segments, topics. And it's funny, this is the second or third week in a row where I I didn't know which one I was going to pick, but an email from a listener sort of prompted me. So you can take advantage of any of our sponsors, obviously, but Alex Wessels said, uh, question for next Concepts episode. I wanted to say thank you so much for the incredible episodes with Greg. As a fan of the NFL for 20 years and as a kid, would sketch or draw NFL plays on paper. This is my favorite series. Yesterday's episode on how offenses can influence the defense to set up in base personnel was awesome. My question for the next episode is, How can defensive personnel influence offensive personnel to favor the defense? Love the show. Keep up the great work. And as a father-to-be in June, Daddy Sodas will have a whole new meaning for me. Alex, congratulations. Best day of your life whenever the baby comes. So, Greg, we talked last week about how offensive personnel – can dictate defensive personnel. Um, Does it work the other way at all, in your opinion? Not as much. I think that for the most part, what happens, Ross, is offensive personnel normally, and everything is probability and tendency, nothing's 100%, but offensive personnel normally dictates defensive personnel. Now, I've talked to a lot of defensive coordinators over the years, and sometimes they won't match up specifically because they want to change up or they want to show something different. But normally, it's a function of what the offense puts on the field. Now, where the defense, I think, can create concerns for offenses is how they line up with their personnel. Not necessarily the personnel, but how they line up with the personnel although the personnel can dictate that as well. So what, no, what normally happens, and, and the way the league, I think a lot of people think, and I know there's a lot to unpack here, so I won't go too long and I'll stop and let you jump in, but I think in longer yardage situations, particularly on third and long, very often you'll hear coaches say that the defense has the tactical and personnel advantage. Um, so, we can get into that a little more, but normally it's offense that puts out their personnel and defense tends to respond to that with their personnel. 
Yeah, and the thing I would say about it, that's exactly how it usually works, Greg. But what what I, I guess my answer to Alex would be how the defense chooses to match up right. can dictate what the offense does moving forward. In other words, let's say you're putting out Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez or Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard because you want the defense to be in base, and then you want to split those guys out and you have four wide. Well, if they're saying, you know what, we, we think Goddard and Ertz are really receivers we're going we're gonna to go nickel even against both Correct. those guys. Well, then that's going to change things. Now, maybe it changes. Maybe the changes, the Eagles in this instance, Greg, just try to go double tight and run the ball down your throat. But how the defense chooses to match up or chooses to allocate their personnel when offense puts certain personnel groupings out there can dictate or change what the offense does moving forward. Yes, and you just hit on something that's become very prevalent in the NFL, which is the fact that tight ends now are very often evaluated coming out of college based on their ability to be receivers and to to detach and split from the formation. But this gets back to the point that the offense in some ways dictates the defensive response. You hit on a great point. You know, when you play against the... Uh, uh, the Chiefs, let's say, and let's say they line up with two tight ends, and of course one of them is Travis Kelsey. Do you line up and stay in your base defense, knowing that, hey, you might have a linebacker or a safety on Travis Kelsey, a strong safety type player, or do you line up in nickel with the idea that I'm going to have a nickel type corner match up to Travis Kelsey if I'm playing man coverage? So that's where the defense tends to be more reactive. I think it's important to get to the point where defense can often dictate with their personnel and their alignments, particularly in long yardage situation, how the offense then has to respond. So then let's get into the different defensive personnel groupings, Greg. And what's interesting is I guess how I would describe it is I feel like maybe there aren't as many different variations on defense in terms of personnel groupings, in terms of name, and maybe even how they line up compared to all the right. formations on offense, all the motions, everything. But the defense can choose to do it with so many different people. Like the, 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 the nickel for a defense, we'll get into this, Greg, but the nickel for a defense, first of all, the nickel back could be so many different types of players. Secondly, Correct. the nickel linebacker could be a linebacker, could be a safety, could be different players. And then even the front in front of them, four down, three down, that can all change, yet that's all called nickel. But there's like, there could be, I mean, there could probably be like 10 different right. types of nickel, if that makes sense. Well, normally, normally, uh, let's start at basics. Normally, the term, whether it's nickel, dime, is a function of the number of defensive backs on the field. So nickel is five, dime is six, and then a lot of people use the term dollar for seven defensive backs, which a number of teams play in the NFL in longer yardage situations on third down. Um, what defenses try to do in, let's say, long yardage, and this is important, is they try to get more athleticism and more speed on the field. Most people still believe that the biggest mismatch in the game, sorry to have to say this, Ross, is the speed of defense versus offensive linemen. 
and uh, that offensive linemen theoretically are are the lesser athletes when you're dealing with the pass rushers that they have to face. Uh, particularly in an era where defensive tackles now have become so good. There's a ton of great defensive tackles in the league. Teams are much more multiple with their pressure concepts and their front alignments. This is where the defense becomes proactive. And when they're in their third down defense, whether they're playing with five defensive backs, six defensive backs, seven defensive backs, they can create so many different alignment looks that they can – in it dictate pass protection concepts, as you well know, and then they can play off that. Um, so, uh, you know, that that's where defense ends up having an advantage. Third and long is where defenses have an advantage. So let's get, let, let's start at the start, Greg. Um, now that we're eight minutes in, but um, so <laughs> yeah. there is, well, there is always a lot base, to unpack here. I know. So there is base personnel is what you call it on defense. And that is typically when maybe it's first and 10. And let's say the offense has a tight end and a fullback or two tight ends or whatever. And that is typically seven bigger bodies involved in the front. So it could be a a team could be called a base four, three, four D linemen, three linebackers, or a base three, four, three D linemen, four linebackers. The irony, of course, Greg, is that base defense is really no longer the base defense. It's almost a misnomer because, I mean, what are teams – you know the numbers, Greg. What are teams at base these days, 30% of the time? Uh, Yeah, that's a fair – I mean, I remember speaking with Dennis Allen at the Scouting Combine, and he said – and he's the defensive coordinator for the Saints, and he said after he went uh, back through and and, and re-looked at all of the Saints' defensive plays after the season and charted them, that they were in some form of sub, meaning five, six, or seven defensive backs, about 80% of their snaps. So you are correct. Teams base is not really base in a strict sense anymore. But the way we look at, at these these terms, it's based on the number of defensive backs. Okay, so that's that's base. Then you already talked about it. Nickel, dime, dollar. But then I had mentioned some of the variations of yep. nickel. For example, Having a bigger player, what they call big nickel. You know, historically, the nickel back, Greg, for a long time was a corner. And really a corner, Greg, that a lot of times the smaller, quicker guys, right? Like 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, think of like right. uh, Nickel Roby Coleman types. Because Correct. going against okay. slot receivers, the premium is really on change of direction and quickness in that spot or even matching up to a big tight end so you hit on another thing teams are doing on defense they're playing what we call big nickel on normal down and distance situations because they want a third safety so in other words the fifth defensive back is not a slot corner but it's a safety we call that big nickel and a lot of times you might see that against 12 personnel where one of the tight ends is a really good receiving tight end because you don't want a linebacker matched up on him necessarily and you know 
So you go and you don't want to play nickel per se because you don't want to get caught with a Nicole Roby Coleman type. And he's a really good player, but he's what, 5'9", five, 5'10"? Five, you don't want him matching up on a 6'4", six, 6'5", six, excellent receiving tight end. You know, it's interesting, and this is kind of why guys like Mark Barron and Dayon Buchanan and some of these guys started to get jobs, Greg, is I think that they realized a lot of these safeties – when they're in sub, they're good enough in the run game to be able to handle that part of it, and yet they're much better at covering a tight end Correct. than the linebacker. So I want to make well, a distinction here, Greg. There's there's big nickel, which where the fifth defensive back is a safety, but then there's also nickel where one of there's five DBs. And the fifth DB might be a slot corner, but one of the two one of the two linebackers is actually a safety. Is there a term for that, Greg? I don't know if they really well, yeah, have that, a term well, for then, that. I just put that in the term of a defensive back, but where he lines up, and different teams have different names for that, where they'll take a safety, and he essentially lines up as a stacked linebacker. That normally happens in dime in six defensive backs because I view that player as a defensive back. If, if, if that player is not in the base, de- like, like for instance, Mark Barron is a linebacker now in the NFL because when he plays in base defense, he's a stacked linebacker. When Dion Buchanan, who was a safety at Washington State, when he was playing in base defense, particularly with the Arizona Cardinals, he was a linebacker. So to me, he's a linebacker. Uh, but if a player is not a linebacker in your base defense, I view him as a defensive back. So when you have you know, players come in who are safeties, even if they're lined up in a stacked linebacker position, to me, they're safeties. So I put them in the, in the um, uh, defensive back category, but that's what a lot of teams do. Some teams call that, I guess, the money linebacker, you know, the money position. It depends. Every team has different names for these things. But that's when teams play dime with six defensive backs. So let's get into the conversation of versatility, a.k.a. a hybrid player, Greg. Yep. And how much value is there in a guy, whether it's Malcolm Jenkins or Isaiah Simmons or whoever it is, that when he's out there, the offense doesn't really know if he's going to be the stacked linebacker, if he's going to play in the slot, if he's going to be deep middle, how, how much value? Do you think there's a lot of value in there? Or you think that's a little overblown? Yeah. No, I think there's a lot of value because the one thing, you know this, you're, you're an offensive lineman. So what happens when you come out, you call a play in the huddle, you come out and you get in your stance? Okay, now you see six guys, six, seven guys standing around the line of scrimmage. Okay, who are the five that the offensive linemen are going to block? Who is the the guy that the the back is going to have if he comes? It doesn't it make it more difficult to locate and identify the players you're going to block if they're not necessarily what we view as traditional conventional alignments? Yes, it does. Yeah, so that's why defenses do that. And also, the the more you play with defensive backs the blitz concepts, you have more speed rushing to the quarterback. So if you're an offensive guard, okay, and let's say that you've decided that the guy you're going to to block in in the 
called pass protection is a particular defensive uh, lineman. But all of a sudden, that defensive lineman slants away from you and disappears. Now, you've been taught that, hey, if he disappears, more than likely someone else is coming to replace him. But if that guy replacing him is a defensive back, the speed with which that guy comes is he's a better athlete than you are, Ross. So that speed gives an advantage to the defense. So defense is now blitz more and more with defensive backs. Years and years ago, they just blitzed with you know linebackers. And now with defensive backs, these guys are so much faster and they're a bit more and better athletes than the offensive linemen. It's hard. Yeah, the, the last point I'll mention here, and we're going to get into uh, We could defensive. do this again next week. There's so much more here. <laughs> I know. Well, we're going to get into defensive fronts um, in the coming weeks. The one thing I would say, because I think it's it's relevant to this conversation, the center and quarterback, but the center is really playing a chess match, uh, a battle of wits against the defensive coordinator to what you just said, Greg, figuring out how do we want to try to get the five most likely rushers with the five big Correct. guys, right? And the point I would make, it's a lot more difficult when it's three down than four down. When yeah, it's you four down, yeah, it, you, you really only have to point out one other guy. When correct. it's and three the only, you know, down, right. yeah, then there's correct. two other off-the-ball guys that you got to kind of pick and identify. And you could say these two, and then it could be the other two that come – and it is what it is. I mean, you're, you you know, it's right. definitely harder for a center when it's three down as opposed to four. Because also three down, usually then you're going to have a guy right five inches from your face as you're trying to decide who the two guys are. And this is exactly why, and we can get into this another week, why teams more and more now are using multiple front alignments because it makes it, you know, and they use players, what we call jokers, guys who move around, you know, Jadavian Clowney has become that kind of guy. A lot of teams do this now with defensive linemen. They move them around so they don't just line up with four down. They move guys around. This is what... You hear the the term breakdown protections? Well, most defensive coordinators, all of them, know what offensive protections are. There's not a thousand protections. So you know what the protections are in given situations, whether, you know, look, protections are based on numbers, just like anything else. You only can have certain protections when you have five blocking. Then if you add in a sixth blocker, you increase the number of protections. If you want to keep seven to block, you've got more protection possibilities. It's it's all based on the number of people you you keep into protection protect so defensive coordinators know this well protections are going to be a different week so I'll, I'll, we'll oh, yeah, stop yeah. there because <laughs> uh, that's a that's a You'll whole different ball of I wax guarantee. greg people are loving this i understand why i'm glad we decided to do this thank you so much for coming on as always thanks ross appreciate it so good so so good i'm loving that you guys are loving that it's awesome by the way speaking of awesome how about NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system? So if you have like a hairball, multiple software system, get it all done with NetSuite. Finance, HR, inventory, e-commerce, everything you need, all in one place. Whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in sales, NetSuite gives you visibility and control so you can manage every penny with precision. Join over 20,000 companies 
who trust NetSuite to go faster with confidence. Look, one of the major playbooks for these businesses is using NetSuite as America reopens for business. Receive your free guide, seven actions businesses need to take now, and schedule your free product tour at netsuite.com slash Tucker. Again, free guide and schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com slash Tucker. That's netsuite.com slash Tucker. Tuck's Takes. Hi, Ross. NFL rules, fourth and 15 on sides tabled. Defensive player kick return and uh, punt returner can't Vrabel or Belichick the clock. Three guys returned from IR, not just two. Let's go in depth on all the rule changes. Yeah, so I want to. I'm, I'm going to have Albert Breer on Monday's Ross Tucker Football Podcast because he is the best on this. He knows everything about the Sky Judge and what happened there. Everything about why the fourth and fifteen was tabled. So I think the rules and rules changing are important enough that we'll really dive into it. I think the defenseless player, kick returner, and punt returner. I don't know why they weren't defenseless the whole time. I think everybody saw what happened in the playoff game with Vrabel, and you can take a false start, and the clock keeps running. That was just a loophole that the NFL had to fix. That was stupid. And three guys returning from IR instead of just two is a good idea. I actually think they're going to need more than that or some type of special provision for uh, COVID-19. But I'll, I'll probably ask Albert that on Monday as well. The NFL and Electronic Arts extend the Madden deal through 2026. And that's awesome. People love Madden. I love Madden. I love that I was in Madden, and I love that every year we get Maddens to give away to you guys. So that's good news for us. We have a good relationship with EA. So I'm happy for them. I'm happy for everybody because I think the NFL gets a billion dollars. The players get $500 million. A lot of money in video games, bro. A lot of money. Some player news includes Trent Williams has his contract slightly adjusted. Lions moving Jamal Agnew from cornerback to wide receiver. Saints sign tackle James Hurst. And the Panthers sign former Saints Eli Apple. So Trent Williams, I guess, just wanted more of them. He only has one year left on his deal. So I guess he just wanted more of the money now. Or I, I'd like to see what the uh, adjustment was there. Maybe they gave him a little bit of a bump. I don't know because it is the last year of his deal. Jamal Agnew, you know, he's always been such a good kick returner. I think the Lions are like, you know what? Let's put him on offense. He's not really playing for us on defense. Let's put him on offense and find a couple plays, give him the ball, jet sweeps or whatever. That makes sense to me, although they already have pretty good receivers there. I love the Saints offseason. I love everything the Saints do. The Saints have had – they're leaving almost no stone unturned in having a very good, very deep roster – where they have no holes. And the Eli Apple thing's interesting, Brian, just in the sense that I'd be curious to know what happened with the Raiders and why that deal fell through. That that's what I would like to know the details of. Tuck's takes. And finally the Texas governor says teams can have twenty five percent fan attendance this season. Well, starting in June, he said pro sports can have twenty five percent fan attendance. That's interesting on so many levels. That's really more of an Andrew Brandt thing. But it's like, well, first of all, it's a little bit weird to me that the NCAA said high school recruits can't even visit college campuses through July to like see what 
what what they look like and whether or not they want to go there. Like you can't have like a kid and two parents like walk around outside of a campus with a college coach, but you can have twenty five percent of a full state of, of a stadium. So the next thing is is twenty five percent better than zero would be my question. Because there's going to be a lot of consternation as to who that 25% are. You know, how do you pick them? How do you decide? I think for the teams it is because it's 25% of the money that they're going to be missing. So they want to do it. And I'm sure those fans are excited. But it's not really going to be a loud crowd. It's it's going to be unprecedented. It, It really is. I'll be very curious to see how that plays out. That'll do it, by the way, for a Finish Strong Friday shout outs. To the White Label Group, Pizza Boy Brewing, NFLCliches.com, and DynastyFreaks.com. Joe Dolan and I went over best ball drafting tips on yesterday's feast. Check that out. We had an awesome conversation on the Even Money podcast about the 4th and 15 onside kick thing, which didn't even pass. So maybe it's irrelevant. Monday, we will get into all the rules that passed and didn't a little more in-depth with Albert Breer, so make sure you check that out. Other than that, I think we're done here. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feasts, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.